Welcome in again to an episode of the Gnome Boys. Matt Hambage here with my guys Dirk and Neil. Going to go over our top five favorite rom-coms with Valentine's Day just around the corner. Get some of those out there, some good ideas if you're looking for something to watch this weekend. Uh, but before that, we've got quick Super Bowl recap. I know we were all on the Chiefs, and Jared was last week as well, our guest, as were lots of the public, and didn't quite work out that way. Wasn't a very good game, not unless you're a Tampa Bay fan. But um, any any last thoughts? I mean, Tampa Bay just dominated basically start to finish. Anything to add on the game, guys? I mean, every time I looked up when the Chiefs turned on offense, I felt like, you know, Mahomes is just running for his life. I don't know if they had any injuries on the O-line. or They did. They or, had a couple. Okay. I guess I, I didn't look into that. But either way, man, that's just got to be frustrating uh, for Mahomes. It's just, you know, every time he dropped back, it just looked like it was Russell Wilson back there just <laughs> getting pressure every time he's back there. Yeah, exactly. It it was pretty clear he, he'd get the ball and just – two seconds all right i'm gonna get tackled he had to run around I, I forgot the stat it was like almost 500 yards i think 497 yeah, yeah like that's 497 yards of just scrambling and i that will was- say um neil and i were texting uh we we not with you hambage because you're not a packers fan but <laughs> i will say it was it was like deja vu at the end of the first half being a packers fan and watching those penalties happen some questionable calls, I guess you could say. And then the the Buccaneers scoring with like five seconds left at the end of the first half. And there certainly was some plays, I think, especially the one where I think Mahomes is, you know, I guess uh, parallel with the field when he threw the ball, if you guys remember that play. Yeah. And it just bounces off the guy's helmet. Like, come on, man. Like your quarterback's making these plays. You got to you gotta come up with the ball. On there that. were a couple of plays like that where it's he should not be able to get that ball anywhere close to a receiver right and he, i mean like you said he was parallel to the ground he was rolling left and just chucking it where he assumed the pylon was and they were like pretty damn close to becoming huge plays it was it was weird seeing that after their just absolutely dominant season any uh notable commercials you guys remember from the night yeah i mean i know i know you like the mila kunis ashton kutcher shaggy that that was funny oh, just I, I like from that. the clouds that one was incredible yep, i lost yep. my mind when it came on Mila Kunis too. Uh, that's a little foreshadowing for our, our chat here, I think, Ooh. but, um, but yeah, that was, that was funny. That was good for Shaggy too. 20 <laughs> years later or whatever it is. Hey yeah, man, get that bag. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I, I did like how they, they saved that one later on. It wasn't like put in the front with a bunch of other commercials. It was a nice little treat towards the end of the game. That was I saw a tweet from someone. Um, I, I'm blanking on who it was that said they, they, the person tweeted, like, I like to think that, the ad exec for this um, for Cheetos or whoever it was, was pitching this commercial for 20 years. And eventually they're like, all right, fine. fine. We'll give it now, now's the time. Let's, yeah, let's exactly, release yeah. it. And I, I enjoyed it. It was great. I mean, maybe when they originally planned it, the two were on the, on that 70s show still when they had originally had the idea and they said, <laughs> yeah, you know, great, keep, great keep chemistry. It. Let's do it with them. 20 years later, still, still works out. That was right. unexpected and just, just amazing. But that was pretty weak overall for the commercials. There's some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. That one was easily the highlight for me. And then, I mean, since we're recording on, we're on a Wednesday this week, a day later, um, we got to take in some of the Tampa Bay celebration. And I know we talked about this just before we got on here. Tom Brady was having, having himself a little, a little day today, get maybe dipping into the tequila a little too much. And did you guys see the video of him throwing the Lombardi trophy from one boat to the next to Gronk? 
Yeah, that was hilarious. That it reminded me of the Patriots' last Super Bowl when when Gronk, uh, or I think it was like Edelman was was pitching a baseball and Gronk was bunting or he yep. bunted one time and yep. dented yep. the trophy. That it just it, it was like how th- that's going in the water basically, but it's Brady, so it was a perfect toss. Of course it was. What I want to know is if that went south, who's the one jumping in the ocean? Like, did they already have someone picked out being like, all right, if this doesn't work out, you're going in. Or he's going to free ball it if that happens. And I feel like Gronk would just do it. And I mean, just, yeah. it just goes right up his alley that he'd be like, oh, it's in the, it's in the water. I'm on it, guys. Yeah, I'm I surprised he didn't even go in just to go in. I mean, like, as like far catch as we it know. And then just pretend yeah, like he true. was diving into the water to catch it. True. But yeah, that I mean, everyone wanted that to happen. Everyone wanted them just throw the Super Bowl trophy into the ocean. Okay, well, we've got one new, hopefully recurring segment to start here. As I think we touched on in the fictional villain draft, Neil, who has seen all the Harry Potter movies, is reading through the books for the first time. So we're going to get either some weekly or periodic updates on where he's at. So Neil, what do you got for us? Where are you at in the books? What are some thoughts? Oh man, didn't know where we're, we're leading with this before the oh, main segment. Absolutely. Got me sweating a little bit here. Um, prime prime lead-in spot. Yep. So just like Hambidge said, kind of, uh, I've always watched the movies and I'd always ask questions about what the differences between the movies and the books are. And I feel like I would be, probably be annoying to some people, but just finally I thought to myself, you know, with kind of quarantine still happening here, uh, just take some time to read the books. So I, I got through the first two. So I started at the beginning of the year in January. Uh, I made it through the first two, probably within the first month. So I'm on the third one now. A little slower pace in the first two, but I'm still, I would say probably about a third of the, third of the way through. So I'll still make my way through. Uh, one thing I noticed with all the books, they do a good job of kind of getting an up, not an update, but like a background of all the characters, kind of as if uh, you haven't read the book in a while, which makes sense because there's a lot of, or there's some time in between books when they were first written. So they give a little uh, background about each of the characters in case you forgot or if you just need an update about them. One character that is in the books that I kind of wish was in the movies, but may have been difficult, and I can understand why, was the character Peeves, which for anyone who haven't, hasn't read the books or seen the movies, it's this kind of like ghost character that kind of just flies around. And, the poltergeist. Poltergeist, yes, poltergeist. And kind of is just more of a, I guess, more of a nuisance than more of a help over at Hogwarts. So he kind of just cause a, causes ruckus and, you know, throws people under the bus. So I thought that would have been a, kind of a funny fun character to have in the movies but looking at it now i i see that it would be kind of difficult to to put them in there i think on that i don't remember the exactly they did consider that putting peeves in there but they at the time it was either too expensive or they thought it was just too much to add in to an already pretty packed story someone can, can correct me on that if i'm wrong but i know they did look into it i think there is some concept art out there for peeves um but that's like one of the most common answers of which book character do you wish was in the movie? Peeves is usually one of the first two or, you know, top two or three answer for a lot of people. Curious. What did the, the concept art, how did it, uh, how did it portray him? I'm going to see if I can find it right now. Um, but between the, um, the first two books, which one, which would you put as your favorite? I mean, I know there's a lot more to go, but just out of the, out of Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber. Uh, I think he played a more uh, prominent role in Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, I mean, just, just like in books as total. Oh, which one do I like better? You're asking? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go Chamber of Secrets. Any reason why? Um, 
No, not really. I mean, we can we can edit this part out because I can't think of anything. <laughs> I agree with that. Out of those, out of those, wait, did you say just those three, Hambage? Well, he's on the third one. He said he's pretty early. So you're, on. you're saying just the first two? Yeah. Also, yeah. Here, I don't know if this is legit, but I found this on Reddit. All right, um, let's take a look here. That's what Peeve supposedly <laughs> was going to look like. That is not what I what I was picturing. And he basically looks like I don't know even know how to describe it. Not like a ghost, but. I mean, I just kind of pictured not him. Not how I would picture him, yeah. Not at all. I always pictured him like, like obviously no legs kind of flying around and possibly no arms either. More of just a body and a head and kind of just makes his way around. Kind of like one of those, you know, old school ghosts that you see. You know, it's just the eyes and like looks like the bed sheet over them. I kind of just pictured well, him I, like I that think in way. Sorcerer's Stone, there's a, um, one of the chapters has a picture of Peeves, I think. And he's just oh, like, oh, you're right. And it's it's like the short little squat figure. So he's got the arms and legs, but he's kind of like a no, like no, yeah, like you're dwarf definitely right. almost. But but yeah, he would have been been a lot of fun to have have in the movies, especially. Well, I won't I won't say one, but he 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 comes on a couple more times in the books. That would have been really fun to see on screen. All right, well, we're looking forward to hearing where you go with that. I know Dirk and I both love. Love the series. Have you read the books multiple times? So happy and excited to go on this journey with you, Neil. See what you think. So then with that, we'll guess we'll just move into the main main event for for this week. Uh, ranking our top five favorite romantic comedies. And again, this is going to be a ranking, so there could be some overlap. Um, unless either of these guys change their list last minute, there might be a couple that do do appear on a couple lists. Um, we'll discuss those once each um once the highest ranking goes through um so we'll just go let's go alphabetical so dirk your number five favorite romantic comedy all right so my number five favorite romantic comedy this this the the start i love romantic comedies so i'm glad that we um decided to do this uh and it it honestly was hard as you both know I, i was texting you both the last couple days here um, asking if your list were finished, uh, et cetera. It just, I couldn't, my list was so long, I couldn't narrow it down to five. But anyways, to start off, I have The Heartbreak Kid. I'm actually staying at the hotel if you want to grab a drink or something. I would love that. How, how about tonight? Seven? Seven, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. Oh. Great. Miranda! Come on, we're going to miss the ceremony. I'm coming. Hey, Martin. Hello, asshole. Great to see you, too. Ben Stiller, it's from like 2006, maybe, something like that. And it, at first, this wasn't something that I was like, oh, you know, romantic comedy I'm going to pick. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I actually really did and do enjoy this movie as a rom-com. So basically it's, it's like he, and I'll try not to have spoilers, of course, but um, he is whisked, whisked away, I guess you could say in love um, with this, this new girl. I think they were dating just a couple months and she's getting, um, I think she's from like Canada or something and has to go back. I, I don't remember exactly, but his plan then in order for her not to leave is to propose and get married after a couple months of dating. And while that's not, you know, something that, I would say happens at least to people we know and hang out with. Um, it is, I think the honeymoon phase is relatable in that you're, when you're dating somebody, 
you know, you think everything's all peaches and cream for the most part. Um, or I guess that's the stereotype of the honeymoon phase. And so I thought that that was just funny how, you know, everything's great. And then they get married and things go south very quickly. Um, I think that there's parts of that movie that are hilarious. Danny McBride being the main part is very, very funny to me in that. Um, as well as his, his buddy, um, Mac, who has a, a little baby with like little bangs in the front that matches him. That always cracked me up. And then of course, Jerry Stiller, um, playing Ben Stiller's dad in the movie. Um, and, and so for me, this is more of like a, a rom-com that if it's on TV, I'll just put it on in the background, you know, glance up at it, um, and, and kind of get your mind off whatever is going on in your day-to-day life. Um, and I will say it does connect with me a lot because at the end, uh, and this isn't really a spoiler at the very end, he has moved to Mexico and is like, has a little shack on the beach where he you know, rents out like surfboards and um, boogie boards and things like that. And whenever I think about the question of like, what would you do if, if money wasn't an option, um, in like your, your dream job, I guess you could say, I, I think I would want to move somewhere, Hawaii, Mexico, wherever it is on a beach and have a little shack, like, like Ben Stiller does at the end of the heartbreak kid and just like hang out and talk to tourists and, you know, rent out volleyballs and kayaks and whatever else. So that part resonates with me a lot. And again, this is just a, it's an easy movie to watch. Um, you know, it's kind of just, like I said, put it on the background you glance up and it's entertaining um, and it's the, it's a very, uh, classic rom-com vibe to it in the end. Yeah. That, that's actually one I haven't seen before. So I'm oh, spoilers. I'm no. sorry. Yeah, I, mean, a lot of spoilers, I mean, I mean, part of the thing on romantic comedies is they are kind of unspoilable. They, they thought right. like, like to the minute you can predict when certain beats are going to happen. Right. Um, but this is, this is a, admittedly a very, like you said, image, it's a very like it follows the script of a typical rom-com pretty well. Um, but there are, there's just parts in it. Like I said, Danny McBride shows up halfway through and I mean, he's, he's hilarious in it. Uh, please watch it. Hambage, and let me know what you think. There are a few, <laughs> few twists and turns in there, especially yeah, like at the, right at the end there too, but yep, yep, I, yeah, exactly. it wasn't a full spoiler. Yeah, no, but I mean, that, that's part of the comfort of the rom-com though, is that you kind of know what you're getting that you don't have to really get too, stressed or yep. concerned about what's going to happen to the characters that there are some that are that take it different different ways once in a while but for the most part you can kind of predict like i said down to the minute it's like oh there's 20 minutes left so then these next three things are going to happen then the movie's going to end but that's that's part of the fun of them though that you can just kind of go to them at any at any point what you're going to get who's the uh who's the female lead in that it's um oh her name's miranda but let me look it up quick I, i'm blanking on her her real name um, you, you'll you'll know her. I'm yeah, sorry. while you're looking that up, I know one scene that stuck out to me as you as you said it was kind of like the honeymoon phase or honeymoon phase goes away. I mean, first of all, they just got all married for the wrong reasons to start off with. And the first part I remember is they're like driving on their way down to Mexico and they're singing in the car. And yeah, then you know yeah. he he he's had his share of singing. He's done, but she just keeps going and going. And you can just see like in his eyes, like, what the hell have I done here? Like this is a <laughs> yeah. mistake. And then it just keeps getting worse and worse from there. Yeah, exactly. And and I right after I said um you'll know her and Miranda, there's actually, I guess you could say two female leads. So the original uh, or not original, the the person he's he falls in love with to begin with is uh Malin Ackerman. Ackerman. Okay. Yep. 
And then the other one um, is Michelle Monaghan. Okay. And I'm, I know yep. she's in some other stuff, Michelle, I'm talking about, but yep. it all, yeah, whenever I in, see her, I think of Heartbreak Kid right away. She's, I'm, I'm blanking her name, but she's um, like the, the wife or love interest in the Mission Impossible. Movie. Yes. Yep. Yep. Blanking on her character name, but she's in a couple of those. Yep. All right. So one to get on my, on my watch list there. Again, I'm still going with a, with a nice suggestion there, Derek. So I'll hit up my number five here. 1987's Some Kind of Wonderful. So, do you always bring an extra girl when you go out? Well, I like to cover my bets. That's very cute. I have to remember that. Have you guys seen this one? I have not. I have not either. I just rewatched it again a few days ago. Directed by, by Howard Deutsch, father of, of Zoe Deutsch, um, who we've talked about a couple times on here before. Written by John Hughes. Um, so, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 16 Candles, all, you know, all those classic 80s high school movies. And if you like those, you're going to like this. Um, classic John Hughes, he just understands how to write for you know, those characters of that age and kind of really relate and accurately portray that time of your life. Um, it's maybe not as funny as a lot of rom-coms. Um, the original script actually was you know, way more comedic. Then they kind of cleaned it up, went kind of more romantic comedy drama about it. Um, but it stars Eric Stoltz as Keith uh, pursuing um, his interest in Leah Thompson as Amanda Jones. Um, the, you know, the stereotypical, super popular, really, you know, really pretty, just rich girl that everyone, everyone wants basically. Um, and Leah Thompson actually later married Howard Deutsch, just a fun little connection there. You know, it's got Craig Sheffer from One Tree Hills on, you know, he's uncle Keith. He plays um, Amanda's kind of stereotypical douchey, jerk preppy boyfriend um, kind of the the villain if you will or the antagonist of the movie and then there's um keith's best friend watts kind of a, a tomboy uh played by mary stewart masterson and as she kind of helps him try to make inroads with amanda um she starts to wonder if she maybe feels for air or for keith as more than a friend i'm um, so kind of a a love triangle of sorts goes there and it's just kind of a, a nice slice of life kind of coming of age rom-com and um, it's got some really 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 fun scenes some really sweet moments as well just kind of one fun bit of trivia though is that leah thompson of course was in back to the future um, a couple years before and eric stoltz was originally cast as marty mcfly and then got recast um because he wasn't doing a good enough job i guess it's actually a pretty interesting interesting story if you're not familiar with that um i think I, I, I have read about that before yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah if you guys like the, the rest of the john hughes movies you know, and like that kind of, you know, those movies about, you know, your life in high school, this one would be right, right up the alley. Um, it's on um, Hulu and Amazon prime. So it's pretty easy to stream. Um, but it's just a, just a good, good time movie. Nice. Yeah. I've, I haven't seen it, but like you said, especially with, with those fun facts, it's, it sounds uh, intriguing for sure. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a, a couple of those eighties, I guess um, mm-hmm. classics or, or rom-coms that like, I, I haven't seen like 16 candles. Like that's, that's one of the, one of them in like breakfast club. I've seen parts here and there, but I've never watched it from beginning till end. And it's yeah. one I've already always told myself, like, this is a classic. I should watch it, but I've just never taken the time to yeah. do so. some, some yeah. parts in those like 16 candles, especially don't even get into it, but some parts aged very poorly, like really bad. Um, and there's a couple, a couple moments in some kind of wonderful that, you know, cringe at a little bit, a couple of lines that they say. Sure. Um, but 16 Candles has some really, 
ridiculous stuff that I think that they could just put into like a PG movie back then. But let's go, Neil, now. You're number five. All right, my number five. It's uh, relatively a newer movie. Uh, it's, it's always be my maybe. These are uh, my friends. Uh, this is Marcus, and this is Jenny. Hi, Jenny. <laughs> wow. Now I know what it feels like to be completely starstruck. The only stars that matter are the ones you look at when you dream. Uh, Hambage, I know you've seen it. Dirk, have you? Yep, I have. So, um, and it's at Randall Park, and I know Hambage, you're a fan. I know you you uh, mentioned him in your your other podcasts about you've been, you've been a big fan of him, especially with uh, in the Marvel series here with WandaVision. Love Randall Park. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's great. But yeah, I just feel like as an actor, he's starting to, starting to gain some steam here, getting a little more popular. Uh, but as for the movie goes, it's kind of a, another, you know, classic rom-com. It's two kids grew up together, uh, each knew their family well, were friends, you know, finally hooked up one time and then it just got weird and then, you know, didn't talk to each other for years. Uh, randomly ran into each other when she moved back home. And then, you know, they acted like they didn't like each other, but deep down they really knew they did. And then they got together. Uh, then it kind of, you know, tales from there where she, you know, she needs to leave the city, you know, move on with her career. And he's just unwilling to leave. He claims it's because of his dad. He needs to take care of him. But it's just deep down, you know, he's never left the city of San Francisco and he just doesn't want to leave what's comfortable to him. So it's kind of he needs to take that and like getting out of his comfort zone and and uh, for someone he loves. And it's, he finally eventually understands that as you would see when you see the movie. Uh, another it- part of the movie. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I think you might be about to say it right now, actually. Oh, yeah. uh, another a nice curveball in the movie is uh, Keanu Reeves play, plays uh, plays himself, and he actually dates the love interest of Randall Park. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. I don't know if you have it uh, by chance, Hambitch. Otherwise, uh, yeah, he plays himself. Um, it's not the Keanu Reeves I imagine him being like. He's just like kind of this crazy, I don't know, maybe like a psychopath in a way. Um, very full of himself. One of yeah, the just, one of the funniest cameos I've ever seen. Absolutely hysterical. Yeah, that whole dinner scene with him is incredible. Well, it's just something you're not even expecting. Like you're thinking, like, all right, yeah. it's just gonna be some random person, probably maybe an actor you're aware of, but nope. Just that, 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 I think he, I think he popped up briefly in one of the trailers, or like in a in an image somewhere. So some people knew he was he was in it in some capacity, but didn't really know what he was playing. Okay, and then some people, um, it's like I didn't know he was in it. Um, when I watched it, and so when I, I no see, him, see him walk into you know the slow motion with the music playing, um, I I lost it. it. And then that, like you said, Dirk, that whole dinner scene, the the yeah. at the apartment afterwards, just some of the some of the funniest, one of the funniest cameos that I think I've ever ever seen. And there's there's actually a, a Twitter account. Oh, I don't, I wasn't even thinking of this until now. I don't know if it's still up, but it was basically just I think it was called like Keanu walking to music. And they just cut that scene of him entering the the restaurant to different songs. And and then there was, I don't know, maybe 10 or 20 videos when I last checked. This was maybe a year or two ago now. But if you if you can find that, it's 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 great too. If I remember correctly, was it there were they there playing a game, I think, like at, at their at someone or at a piano like hotel. Yeah, the apartment or hotel, wherever it was. I don't it remember, was like they're yeah. playing charades or something. Charades and it tur- turns or, or into like some kind of fight between them. there or something. Right. Something, yeah, something where it turns into the dude trying to fight Keanu Reeves. Right. Which usually isn't a good idea. I mean, if he's anything like he is in his movies, I wouldn't do it. 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a good starting off strong there, boys. All right, Dirk, number four. All right, <clears throat> number four for me is a uh, I think more of a, like a mainstream, I guess you could say, rom com. I, I bet at least one of you has it on your list. Is uh, Crazy Stupid Love from? I actually do have that on mine. Nice, nice. Um, so let let's wait, and we'll we'll circle back when it okay. when when it comes up on my list. I did okay. think about it. Didn't make the list, but it was a it was a close contender. Okay, so then my number four. Um, I had talked to these guys before about there was one movie I thought could show up on all of our lists, and that would be She's Out of My League. Wait, so you 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 make a pretty comfortable living, huh? Sometimes. Like you got your head on right, and you don't do underwear. The hell are you doing with numb nuts here? Dylan. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, fair question. That's a fair question. And this one, this one. I don't maybe, know how I missed this one. <laughs> maybe doesn't get as much mainstream love, but this was huge for us in college. Came out in 2010, and there's a stretch our our senior year. It was always on TV. Um, especially yeah. we somehow got like free Showtime. One of my roommates just finagled his way into that somehow, and so that was one of like three or four movies. It was that Hall Pass, Green Lantern, unfortunately, <laughs> and X Two X Men United. That were just always always on and we'd, we'd get back from from the bars on like a friday or saturday night and we just throw on she's out of my league watch for 20 30 minutes and then just go to bed and so i've probably seen parts of this movie as much as any movie i've ever seen i've seen it all the way through a bunch as well but i've just seen like bits and pieces here and there um so for those who maybe aren't familiar with it jay baruchel plays kirk um kind of a loser-esque is kind of how he's portrayed kind of a, a dweeb i guess might be a, a way to word to Describe him, describe him there. Um, a TSA agent um, with his other TSA TSA friends, and he meets Molly, played by Alice Eve, and they kind of hit it off. Um, she, you know, she leaves her phone at security. He brings it back to her when she's back in town. Kind of a little meet cute that way, and then they start to kind of form uh, an interest in each other. And their friends both try to tell them that uh, Molly's way out of Kirk's league and you know his friends are telling him that he, she's too good for him and they're just trying to you know suss out if they can be together or if they are kind of on two separate levels and it's just one of the most quotable movies I think that that I can that I can recall I mean there's there's a constant reference to you know um Hayes MacArthur is a co-star or, or he, he you know he calls everyone pirate and that one just we still use that one to this day. There's the slap shot regatta scene in the family basement. There's a family dinner where they're just shitting on Kirk the entire time and everyone's just okay with it. Um, the bowling scene, the, the Hey house ball. I mean, there's just so many good, good moments. And like the, the, the romance parts aren't anything special. Like we said before, they, it kind of follows that same, same formula. They get together, they fight, they break up for a couple days, then they get together at the end again. But doesn't really matter because it's what's in between all that and there's just so many good good guest stars that just kind of just fire on all cylinders you have jessica jessica st Clair, kyle bornheimer kristen ritter um deborah joe rupp is in there andrew daly is hysterical tj miller um as one of the other tsa agents and i mean i could watch this movie every single day it's just, it's just so so funny and i'll add when he brings uh her home to his family for the first time to meet him his family is like worst case scenario, like what you yeah. want to bring your oh, girlfriend home to. Absolutely. It's like one, you have your ex-girlfriend who still hangs out with your family. Not only is <laughs> and she her there, new boyfriend. <laughs> she, yeah, she has her new boyfriend 
And then you have your brother who's always shitting on you and then asking <laughs> questions about why you're even with him. And then you have your dad who's saying, that, oh, that's a fair question to ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I know that line. Um, like you said, Ambage, it's a, a, another line that we quote all the time. Fair question. Yep, fair it's question. <laughs> extremely inappropriate question being asked at the yeah, we, we get that, that video clip or that gift sent in uh, in the group chat a, a decent amount as any single one one will get. But yeah, that one is just just tops. It's incredible. So so good. Extremely quotable, like you said. All right. So Neil, what do you got for your number four? All right, rolling in at number four is La La Land. I'm assuming I, both of you guys have seen this. Yes, I have yes. that one on mine actually as well. Uh, you so, want to? We hold it off then. Yeah, we'll we'll keep that keep that in the in the waiting room. Okay, so Dirk, you're number three. All right, number three, I actually have um, Adventureland from 2009 with oh, uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. Hi. Hi. You guys want some of this? I bagged it from Paulette. Cuban nice. rum. Somebody was trying to write Satan lives on that wall, but they spelled it Satin lives. One of those textile worshiping cults, no doubt. It's <laughs> very funny. Yeah. And this one is just, it's more because I, I guess I would say this is, is kind of in between between a rom com and a coming of age movie. But for me, it, it, it like hit close to home, I guess you could say, because it came out right when, when we were all in college. So it's basically the same age as the, the characters in the movie. Um, but what I liked about it is that it it was set in the 80s, so the soundtrack was great. I enjoyed that. Just the whole, um, I mean, essentially the whole movie is based at uh, like a carnival. Um, and I thought that was just fun, uh, a fun setting because you could see yourself in these characters just hanging out um, every day at, you know, their, their carnival job that they probably all didn't enjoy too much. But they just are making friends, you know, going to parties with each other afterwards and it actually had some serious parts in the movie too. There is, you know, like alcoholism with his parents and them fighting and things like that. Um, there's like real storylines you could say there's him and Kristen Stewart. She's kind of just seeming to want kind of just a f- summer fling. Whereas Jesse Eisenberg is a little more trying to, you know, find a girlfriend and, and be serious. He says at one point, like, I want to owe you things. I want to, you know, get into this with you. And so it, for me, it's more of like a nostalgic type, rom-com or coming of age movie because it does remind me of back in college and in summers and just hanging out with friends where in reality you don't have um much to worry about at that time you just have a for the most part um you have a summer job and and i shouldn't say you don't have much to worry about at that time because i know everybody's situation is different but in relation to that movie you have a summer job you're hanging out with your friends trying to have a good time and with that, there are some serious parts of the movie too that happens, um, you could say, in, in real life as well. So for me, it, it just it hits close to home, I guess. And it was just fun picturing yourself as uh, you know growing up in the '80s with a job at a carnival. That's what I really liked about it. I thought Jesse Eisenberg was great. I like Kristen Stewart a lot as well. Ryan Reynolds has a small part, um, shows up every once in a while. So yeah, it's a it's an enjoyable movie that has a little bit more depth to it than I would say normal. Uh, rom-coms do another I, one i haven't seen dirk yeah i have not seen I mean, that either I, i've actually. heard good things though um so i'm gonna get the, i might watch that yeah tonight. it's it's um 
because I've talked to people like other people in the past that I think it was maybe like a little hit or miss, I guess. I, th- I think it has pretty good reviews on like Rotten Tomatoes, I, I believe. Um, but I think it's also, I could see why some people maybe it doesn't, doesn't connect or resonate with them. Mm-hmm. But for me, I really, I really did enjoy it and, and it really did resonate with me. And it was a, it was an enjoyable watch for sure. And it had a little bit more depth than just uh, the typical, you know, rom-com type of type of flick. Sure. I mean, I'm all about a movie that maybe will give me back some uh, some college memories. So, I'll <laughs> yeah, it's that a little. List. Yeah, it's definitely not like an everybody wants some type college memory <laughs> movie, but it is. You, it is just you could see yourself, I think, as a Jesse Eisenberg um, it, for like a summer home from college type of thing, a summer job, sure. especially in the '80s. And, and I like the soundtrack a lot. It's great. Yeah, '80s music rocks. '80s music slaps so hard. Agreed. All right, so my number three then, which Neil had just talked about or mentioned, um, is La La Land. I should probably tell you something now, just to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. I hate jazz. Are you okay? What do you mean you hate jazz? It just means that when I listen to it, I don't like it. Uh, so Neil, why don't you start, since you mentioned that one first. Sure. Uh, it stars Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, and they clearly just have a connection. Um, I mean, they've had many movies together where they've been, you know, the the love interests of one another and it just clicks for them. It's in that as a movie, it's kind of, um, I don't know what the specific, what the genre is called, just musical slash movie. Is that the correct term? Musical, musical comedy, musical, yeah, musical comedy. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, musical is probably the, the best broad term. But. Sure. Uh, I mean, those are typically not movies that are my favorite. Like I still enjoy them, but they're not ones that, you know, I usually watch over and over again, but this is, one that I definitely would, and I really enjoyed it. I I know it won a couple of Academy Awards. I don't think it won Best Picture. It did I'm for pre- about two minutes. Oh, that's right. Yep. And then when who they, took it over after that? Moonlight, who actually that's won. That's right, yes. They announced... I totally oh, forgot about that. That That's still such an all-time moment. He's got Ryan Gosling laughing in the background. Oh, so, so good. Oh, and that was great. Um, but no, you have Ryan Gosling, who's kind of chasing a career as a musician and Emma Stone chasing a career as an actor, both in LA. So, you know, typical place you would think for those type of careers. They're both kind of gradually, you know, getting to their careers, getting some success. But at that same time, that success is kind of pulling them apart as well. And I won't say, you know, everything that happens at the end, but it is a different ending where it's not the the happy fairy tale ending that a lot of rom-coms have. But it's still, uh, it's still, it's still a little heartwarming. Yeah, and like you said early on, the chemistry between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling is just off the charts, and I'm sure that play will play a part into why Dirk and I like Crazy Stupid Love so much. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, a little, that a little well. bit too. Yeah, but I I love musicals, like absolutely love them. There's a couple that just missed, but it's kind of just a cheat code when you can put like a music video into your movie, and it's these big fun set pieces. You kind of separate yourself from reality a little bit like the opening dance scene on on the on the freeway in la with the backed up traffic yeah just get out there dancing on cars and that's kind of the the fun of the musical is that it's just like a thing that happens in the movie and then it just kind of collapses around and go they go back to normal life and then it just kind of it fits in and, and flows really well um together with all the songs and everything but ryan gosling is is such a good comedic actor and he shows it really in, in Crazy Stupid Love. Um, don't want to talk about that one too much before we get there. But but he, you know, some some of his his line delivery is just 
is it, it's pitch perfect. The tone just nails it. Mm-hmm. Emma Stone, obviously, I mean, she won best best actress that year. Um, I thought deservedly so. The supporting cast, you know, is is really good as well. Got John Legend, J.K. Simmons, uh, Finn Wittrock, Jessica Roth, Tom Everett Scott, some 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 pretty big names. That I mean, yeah, when you have J.K. Simmons just kind of as a, a one or two scene guy who's an Oscar winner himself, and just crushes it when he when he and and Sebastian Ryan Gosling's character are fighting over which which songs to play at the little restaurant. But this one directed by J- Damien Chazelle. I, I, I mean, he's only done, I think, three movies, um, this Whiplash and First Man. And I, I love all of all of those movies. Um, First Man for me was the best movie of 2019, I thought. But, you know, when you when those are your three movies, I mean, that's a it's an impressive career for anybody. And those are just his first three. Yeah, I didn't realize that those are those three are his only three because didn't wasn't J.K. Simmons Simmons wasn't that. um whiplash that he won the Oscar yeah he, he won support supporting actor for okay. whiplash so yeah wow so i mean i mean movies uh in the future here with him i mean the movies he makes in the future i should say are, are probably going to be pretty great yeah he's got one coming out it's it's been delayed a bunch i think it was originally going to come out around christmas of 2020 and now it's been pushed back to 2022 but it's like a, a period piece set in somewhere, you know, in, in Hollywood. It's got Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Tobey Maguire, some oh, of the some of the yeah, leads. So I don't really care what it's about because yeah. if it's Damien Chazelle, I'm I'm there. You know, he's yeah. one of those directors for me where it doesn't really matter what the movie is. But he's just got such a stranglehold on that style, you know, with, with the color schemes and just the the shots he has. Everything works just on a on a technical level as well in La La Land super, super well. Yep. Okay, so that was my my three. Uh, Neil, do we do your three? Your three yet? Or that's what we're on. That's what we're on. Yep, I think we're on my number three. Yep. Uh, coming in number three for me is Wedding Crashers. What do you like better, Christmas or wedding season? Mr. Gray. Yes. Um, the answer would be um, wedding season. Bingo. I'm gonna go get my suit. Oh, now who are we this time? Um, for us, I know at least for our age group, this was really popular. It came out in high school and this was one that I think whenever you're over at friends' houses, this was the one that was watched many and many times, um, along with the classic quotes. You just have Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, just being two casual guys, just going from wedding to wedding, crashing them and, you know, somehow never getting caught. Not, not just not, not once how they do it. I don't know, but until they get to the, a large wedding, which they, I forgot what, what he actually references it as, but you know, it's, it's one they really want to attend. Owen Wilson, you know, falls for a girl and then Vince Vaughn just mistakenly falls for a girl, which he <laughs> thinks he hates, but you know, ends up falling in love and actually gets married before Owen Wilson. It is that age time. I don't know if we were like 15 or 16 where it's like parents are allowing it, but maybe some parents are type of thing. So it's kind of, yeah, jumping that. Yeah, jumping I, think, I think it was like, Oh, four Oh five. Maybe that it came out. But okay. Yeah. So right. we were like 14, 15. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Neil, that's hilarious. You said that because I watched that movie with my dad for the first time <laughs> and I was, you know, probably whatever, 15 or so. And that one specific scene towards the start of the movie <laughs> Oh, oh when, when all the women are little, just going uh, down on the beds. Yeah, that was like the first, that was the first, you know, instance of like, oh, I feel a little uncomfortable. But I my mean, dad's probably, you know, just that's, like, you know, that's 15, 16 and, years ago. Like, 
to this day, I don't think I can watch like a, a lot of those R-rated movies with my parents just right. without feeling awkward. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. When, whenever we watch it, I watch a movie with my parents. I'm always very discerning over yeah. what 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 of those kind of scenes are are in there, if any. Like, vi- the, the, I'll do all the violence, all the cursing, but if there's anything, sure. anything sexual, it's like, no, we'll we'll watch something else. I yeah. mean, there's plenty of PG-13 movies out there too, where it's kind of like when you're when you're watching with them, like, you, yeah, it's just absolutely. just that awkward silence. <laughs> Dirk, you're number two. All righty. Number two, another, um, well, much, much older than Crazy Stupid Love, but I'd say another classic, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You oh, yes. from 1999. Why? Well, then, because then I'd have to start taking out girls who actually like me. Like you could find one. Oh, see that there. Who needs affection when I have blind hatred? Do you two have that as well? I don't have it on my list, but I, I did okay. consider it, but I like this one Same. a lot. Okay, cool. Just wanted to see if uh, we all wanted to chat about it, but yeah. So, so this movie, I think, yeah, it it just is. It's a classic for me. I remember when I saw it years ago. It everything about it, the cast, it, it made Heath Ledger into a star. I'd say, because um, I probably like. I guess you probably know about the best damage. I would say that that movie kind of kicked him off as a much like a, a much more mainstream type actor. Um, yeah, at least I want to say, say that was like his first like big role, at least. Right, but right, yeah. I might look look into that while you keep going here. Right, and obviously he, I mean, he's, he's just an absolute stud in the movie. His hair, his accent, everything about him, um, it, it, he he's amazing. And with that, the scenery is just absolutely unbelievable. That everything about it—the football field, the ocean, the the school in general—it's it's just out of this world. Um, and then. On top of that, going back to Adventureland to the music in 10 Things I Hate About You, also incredible. I really like that. Um, kind of those those three things, the cast, scenery, and music in general is just all great. But then I also liked that it was um it, it was very like Kat, the the main um female lead, she was just a boss. She didn't, you know, take shit from anybody, she didn't back down, she just stuck stuck up for what she believed in, which I thought was awesome, especially back in 1999. I think that was just, it was great. Um, and then I also like that, you know, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like he comes to school as the new guy. He kind of starts hanging out with that kind of nerdy guy, so to speak, but that guy's given him the lowdown on the entire school. And you could almost, almost see yourself in, in Joseph Gordon-Levitt's shoes of, Oh, I'm, I'm a new guy in high school. Like what's going on? I'm trying to get a feel for it. And then in the end, you know, he kind of, um, has a crush on, on, cat sister and and um spoilers i suppose but ends up with her so to speak um and and so i think it's just a it's a nice heartwarming movie and it well high school at least for me wasn't like that especially the scenery i think it was fun to to have high school portrayed in that movie um and have the two different love storylines with heath ledger and cat and, and, and then joseph gordon levitt as well yeah i mean it's a 21 year old movie i don't know that we need to worry too much about about spoilers on, <laughs> true, true. on that one. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, the music, I mean, give me nineties pop or nineties rock yep. all day, every day. And I'm, and I'm good. But one thing I love about these kind of high school, especially that the rom-coms is they have often, you know, one or two kind of larger than life scenes that just would never happen in real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, like when he sings the song to her on the, mm. on the field, like it's just reasonable enough where you could maybe see somebody doing it, 
but it's still so over the top that you don't think would ever happen. And those, yep. when done, when done right, those work so well as just like a fun kind of romantic gesture or whatever you want to call it. And that's, and that's probably, that, you know, that's one of the iconic scenes, you know, there's, there's a few, but yeah, I was looking at Heath Ledger's um, filmography. He was in a few things before, but that was oh like the big one. Cause then a knight's tale was a couple of years later. Brokeback mountain was a few years after that. And then obviously dark Knight. um, right before his his tragic tragic passing but i've always thought his accent in 10 things was a was is a little is a little weird like i'm not quite sure so i was watching some clips of this last night actually and it's like kind of australian but it's it's like a like a custom accent it sounds like not that it's a bad thing like it, it works for the character but it's something you you need that always stands out that you can't quite place what that specific accent is from and actually yeah. kind of fits because he's kind of this mysterious guy. You're not really sure right. too much about him. So I don't know if that was an intentional choice or not. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just choose to believe that it was because he's that good an actor and he just knew to do that. Right. Yeah. Because I enjoyed his accent for the character a lot. But I'm with you. It's like you you have hints of Australia, an Australian accent, but then it, it isn't always like that. So yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's a little different. But yeah, I think the, the school, because it, it, it's like it's an actual high school or it was or something, I, I believe. And I think that's just, that's insane. And then, like you said, Ambage, the, the other scene that happens often in movies like this, that is always hilarious to me are high school parties when there's <laughs> yep. like just huge parties in the middle of the street, in the driveway, just hundreds of people in the house. And it's like, all right, this doesn't actually happen, but it's always fun when, when that pops up in a movie. So it was stadium high school is where they, okay. where they filmed it, which is. Apparently, a 100-year-old high school in Tacoma. Oh, wow. And it's not only just the parties. It's like you see these movies that are based in like a high school. And like you see these guys and these girls. They look like, you know, they're like 25 and up, like super tall, super jacked. And it's like, that is not what 16-year-olds looked like in high school. And it's not what they look like today yeah, either. Right. Like, what is going on right. here? Exactly. Nothing be going off of that. Did you guys ever watch um, like the 90s, the Power Rangers show? I too, but I don't, I mean, I don't remember much about yeah, it because they had like legit, like 30 year olds playing, playing the high school kids. Oh God. And it was just, it was one of, one of the most like egregious, um, like instances of people playing way too old. Um, but, but the yeah. party, the party thing always gets me too. Cause like I, when you mentioned that I was thinking of the, the show euphoria, I don't know if you guys watch that. I, I started, but I, I don't watch it now. It's. One, it'll make you rethink ever wanting to have kids if that's what your teenager are going to be doing. Obviously, it's a heightened reality, but um, like the parties in that because they're there, it takes place in, at a high school. I mean, the wildest parties I went to or we went to in college don't even come close to this. These are like 15 and 16 year olds, right? And but again, if it fits with the the overall atmosphere of the of the show, and in this case, um, 10 things in the movie. Um, but yeah, it, that part always gets me. Cause like ne never in high school, either I was friends with the wrong people or, <laughs> or it's just for cinematic purposes, which is probably more, more true than it's just for the movie because real high school parties don't, they're kind of like the, um, the American pie first one where there's kind of sitting around yeah. a table, just hanging out. That's yeah. probably more accurate of how, of how most, most high school parties are going to be. Yeah, you're not in a residential street with hundreds of people just in the middle of the street, and all the exactly. neighbors are like, "Oh yeah, enjoy yourself." No <laughs> we won't That's call not... it. We'll put a bear, kids. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like no, but but of course it's it's needed and stuff like this. Okay, so my number two then, going back to one of Dirk's, is Crazy Stupid Love. 
Okay, so then what do we do? What happens now, like logistically? What's your move? Hmm, what's my move? What's your move? Like, what's your big move? I got lots of moves. What's your big move? I'm not telling you my big move. Tell me your move. You're not ready for the big move. Yes, I am. I want your big you move. You can't handle the big move, trust Tell me. Tell me a big move. I work dirty dancing into the conversation. So why don't you start us off there, Dirk? Yeah, I thought, and I keep saying it, but it's, it's a relatable movie as well to me because you can, of course, I, I don't have the uh, experiences that Cal does, but that, that happens. You know, people get complacent in their marriage and, and something like divorce um, gets, gets brought up to the table and things like that happen. But I think for all of us, we can probably relate to Robbie being like 13 or whatever he is, 14 years old and, you know, crushing over somebody really hard, thinking he's madly in love um, with somebody a little bit older than him. And then on top of that, all, I mean, just it's, it's another one of those movies that the cast is just unbelievable. Like, like it's been mentioned, Ryan Gosling is just a hunk, whatever, whatever else you want to call him. <laughs> he's amazing. in in that movie in coaching Cal and then in his own, um, role with with uh emma stone and, and his own life he just he's such a good actor in pretty much everything he does um and then even like kevin bacon popping up every once in a while he's kind of he's kind of like snaky a little bit but he's not really a villain in the end i don't think there's really any there's not anybody in the movie that's like hateful hateful and the characters actually have um real feelings so you, you kind of connect with with each of them with emma stone with ryan gosling with you know, Steve Carroll, like you, you connect with people on that. And I think that it, it also, it leaves them, like it gives them like room for growth throughout the film. And so you feel like I left feeling after the first time I watched it, I felt like satisfied after watching it. And I think at times with rom-coms too, especially it, there's not depth, depth to those often, to those types of movies, I should say, depending on the movie. But this one, I think it, there's a little bit more depth at times and you, and you do feel like good and satisfied afterwards. Yeah, you you basically hit it on the head there. And the the emotional depth and kind of some of the more dramatic parts are what I think puts this right near the top. There's, I think, one of the best scenes in the movie. They're at the parents, Steve Carell as Cal and Julianne Moore as, as Emily. They're at the parent-teacher conference or whatever it is at the school. And they're sitting outside the classroom. And Steve Carell says something like, you know, I should have fought for you. That's what you do. You fight for your soulmates. And, and you don't get that kind of emotional resonance in a lot of rom-coms. Um, you, get, you get the emotional moments, but you don't get parts that are so well acted and just so well executed, typically. And obviously, it helps when you've got someone like Julianne Moore to, to play off of. And I think this is, at least for me, this is Steve Carell at his best. Obviously, you've got him as Michael, the Michael Scott character or as Brick Tamlin in Anchorman. And then you've got him on the full dramatic side of... You know, in in Foxcatcher and in Beautiful Boy, where he plays you know Timothy Chalamet's dad. But then when he's got these in between roles, so when he's in this, when he's in in Vice, and um, and then the Big Short, when he's when he can do the the comedic and the dramatic mixed together, I think that's that's really his his sweet spot. And he just he just knocks out of the park. He he blows me away actually every time I, I see this. Um, but then one more person or two more to. to Shout out as in the supporting cast, um, Marissa Tomei as yeah. Kate, the the woman that Cal hooks up with at the bar. I mean, you know, you have an Oscar winning actress just comes in, plays this psycho lady, just throws a hundred miles an hour the entire time she's on screen. Yeah. She's she's great. And then um, Josh Groban 
as um oh yeah as hannah emma stone's character's kind of jerky boyfriend slash co-worker and josh groban i don't know what else he's acted in i know he's in an episode or two of the office and kind of plays the same kind of clueless kind of idiot and and he's he's really good he's only in it for maybe five minutes total but he's he's really funny there too and that's always something like the supporting cast in these movies that can really elevate it from from pretty good to very good but neil have you seen this one? Oh yeah i've seen this yeah. one a few times nice i mean it's it's like it's it's like rom com with a kind of like, you know a little twist at the, end, at the end where you see everything come full circle when he sees I think it's uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone approach him in his I guess his old backyard his old house uh-huh. and he's like what's what's going on here what are you, what are you doing here Yeah, I was not expecting that at all, and that I audibly laughed like that was incredible. I, I I'm sure that you know maybe you did Hamish. I'm sure a lot of people did kind of connect the dots, um, but I did not at all, and so I thought that was unbelievable. I think the first time I I watched it, I did not because when when Emily and Cal refer to Hannah as as Nana, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I I just I just assumed it was a throwaway line because honestly, yep. I don't even think I knew Emma Stone's character's name was Hannah. Yeah, no. So I, I didn't I, even think to connect it as as something yeah. something similar. So I I was it was unexpected for me when when they revealed that the first time. Yeah, and then just the whole as neil was saying that whole scene in general like when you know who's david you're david windhagen (laughs) everyone's just like david windhagen they all just know him it's all just a web that (laughs) comes together there that that scene is just it's so good i I thought kevin bacon was like perfect for that role i love when they get such a big name character actor to play just a very small supporting part in a movie um i i love when they don't have the have the ego to say oh no i've got to be the the lead or, or, you know, one of the, one of the top two, mm-hmm. two build characters. Um, they just come in for just, just a little bit and just, just steal the show each time they're, each time they're on screen. He was, he was perfect. Yeah. It's nice to see those faces pop up. I know we like kind of related to it too, with JK Simmons yep. uh, in La La Land as well. Okay. Neil, you're number two. All right. Number two, I got a feeling Dirk had this one as well with a comment he made earlier, but number two, I have forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, yeah, it's Sarah Marshall from Crime Scene. People are excited that she's here. She's my ex-girlfriend. We broke up three weeks ago. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. All right, this is fine, right? Sir? It's totally fine. Okay, there she is. Did she see me? Uh-huh. Is she coming over here? Yep. I wish I wasn't wearing this shirt. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's my number one. Yep. Okay. Yeah, but do you want you want us to talk about this now, or you wanna? Want well, to well, Dirk Dirk will be up next with his number one. So, all right, we can just knock it out now. Yeah, um, yeah, I can start off here. We got uh, Jason Segal and um, Siegel, but Siegel, yes, I, I I said that and I was like that that's not right at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, going through a tough breakup, they've been together for a while. Uh, a lot of people have been there, and a lot of people what they want to do is kind of get away from a while. You know, don't think about it. Just kind of get out on your own. He does that, goes to Hawaii, and you know, plot twist, she's there. Not only is she there, she's there with her new boyfriend. Um, but no, it's got got a pretty good cast. Um, Mila, as Dirk mentioned, uh, Mila Kunis is in it as well. You got Paul Rudd who makes, he's he is there for a decent amount of appearance, not just one scene, it's for a couple scenes. He kind of plays this airhead uh, surfer teacher, I guess, on the resort that he's on. Uh, he has a uh, funny uh, quote in the movie. The you sound like you're from London. <laughs> um, yeah, but, that's 
Go I was ahead. just going to say that's, that's a, it's similar to she's out of my league when Hamage was talking about that, that movie for me is the quotes are just, it's nonstop. And then it kind of plays into our, our first uh, episode as well. Get into the Greek as Russell Brand plays the same actor. Um, even though it doesn't have all the same characters, I like that they kind of connected in, in such a way. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for me, this, this is my number one. This is honestly um, maybe my favorite movie of all time. It's very like, there's some, there's like a, a personal or like sentimental um, part of it for me too, that, that helps me really enjoy it that I don't have to get into, but um, uh, the movie overall is something that like, if it's on TV or if I'm looking for, you know, something to put me in a good mood, I'll always go to this because it's, it's kind of like, it's like a breakup movie, but it also is like, it's, it's not all the like contrived, like the typical breakup type movies. It has like this amazing romantic comedy part to it as well. Like, for example, Sarah Marshall isn't, she's not, she's never even like painted as a villain, like halfway through, you know, she kind of explains why the relationship broke down from her end, her end, how much she tried to uh, make it work. And, you know, of course, hooking up with Russell Brand while they're dating isn't the right way to go about it, but she at least explains like, you know, for me, these are all the reasons why, why it didn't work out. And, and so Jason Siegel, like, you know, kind of, I think in the end understands it, I suppose a little bit from her end, but I think that like Neil said, it's, there's so many good characters. It's like the perfect cast for the, with the perfect script to make this movie. I mean, we didn't even mention Jonah Hill yet either. Yeah. It's like Jonah Jonah Hill Hill is so good. And Bill Hader is him too. There are so many good parts. Like I'm thinking of the one kind of towards the start where they're, you know, getting back out there for Jason Segel and they're in the <laughs> club and he's like sitting there and he's like, I'm going to get herpes sitting on this couch, <laughs> like something like that. There's just when they're FaceTiming with Bill Hader and his wife, it's just unbelievable. And then, and then on top of it, like the Dracula musical part is like a fun little, you know, it's, it's not even like a, like a throw in type thing because it, it kind of gives it, it gives, it drives Jason Segel, you know, to kind of have a purpose um, not only with Mila Kunis, but just like in, in life after this breakup. And I think that was like clever and, and it actually worked really well. Um, but then, yeah, of course you have Mila Kunis, who is just this on paper or on screen, I should say, is this like amazing character. She's fun. She's happy. She's go lucky. You know, she's really smart and um, you know, she's driven all that kind of stuff. And he happens to be in the right place at the right time to meet her. But then I think that it also, it's like, it, it kind of, when you think about like a breakup or like an old flame, it's like, Oh, you can never get away from your old flame. And he goes to Hawaii and there there's his old flame. Sarah Marshall's there as well. So I think that just the movie in general, it, it really, uh, um, I don't know. It's always been a really just happy and amazing film to me. And I know people enjoy it, but um, for me, it's just on, it's on another level. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the movie too. It was in contention for their top five um, would be in honorable mention spot, but I don't really have much to add. I mean, you guys kind of said will every, say, everything I would have ne- said. Neil's uh, Neil's he mentioned it, but Jonah Hill and I think you did too. Hamage, his scenes are so funny, and I like to think that it's like an earlier version of him and, and Russell Brand before getting to the Greek. Uh-huh. And I know it they it's been said that it's not, but I still like to think that because he's just so obsessed with Russell Brand, like. Um, you know, when they're in the restaurant and, and when they're, when he's singing and it's, it's just so funny. And then one, one of the low key, you know? one of the low key best moments or funniest at least is when, is when they're at dinner and, and um, all the snow spills on his shirt. 
yeah and they and say they'll call the waiter over and then jonah hill's character just is just sprinting over there i saw him across the bar <laughs> yeah, yeah and i also love speaking of him it's kind of towards the start of the hawaii part when jason siegel walks up and jonah hill is like so you waiting for someone a girlfriend a friend <laughs> and he's just like nope by myself by myself <laughs> like you want like a magazine it's gonna be boring <laughs> like it's, there's just so many yeah like he doesn't add a ton to the storyline in the movie but it's just like his scenes are like like you just say to yourself, like, what is happening? Like, yeah, did he like just say he, that? Like, is he doing that right now? He like brings his mixtape over to yeah. Russell Brand's room at one point. It's just there's so like you said, Neil. It's like he's only on screen, like you know, not very long. But every time he pops up, it's just something ridiculous. It's gold. It, he doesn't miss in any any scene yeah. he has. All right, so my number one, kind of a cheat because it's a sports movie as well, but it's Bull Durham. Excuse me, what the hell's going on out here? Well. Nick's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live, was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit. You guys seen that? Ooh. I have not. not. Okay. I've been meaning to. So I, I won't, won't spoil, spoil anything. I'll try not to. Not that there's a ton of spoil, but um, it's Kevin Cosner. It's a, takes place at, kind of in a minor league baseball season, um, the Durham Bulls. And Kevin Cosner is kind of a, a journeyman minor leaguer, been in, the, I think they say, for 12 years. Catcher Crash Davis. Then Tim Robbins as the the hotshot rookie, Nuke Lelouch, the, the fireball pitcher with no control. And then Susan Sarandon as Annie. And her thing, which you know she says she does, she picks one player each season to to hook up with. And that's like her guy for the summer. And she kind of is trying to decide between um, crash and, and nuke. And they've got a, got a bit of a, a rivalry, but it's, it's more, it's also about, you know, crash Davis kind of coming to terms with where he's at in his career, nuke trying to kind of get to the show. You know, he's, you know, this new, new rookie doesn't want to be in the minors forever, obviously trying to get to, to the big leagues. It's, it's really, really funny. I watched it. I rewatched this one recently as well in the last week or so, and it's it's absolutely, absolutely hysterical. There's there's an I the Crash Davis I believe scene. Won't want to repeat that myself because it's a little 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 graphic, but um, that's kind of an iconic scene. There's a really funny mound visit where they get the entire or like the entire infield talking about non baseball things. The assistant coach, who I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he's kind of one of the low key, just best characters, kind of a, just a goofball, but you know, it, it really captures the feel of like a baseball team. And obviously none of us have experience playing professional baseball and at any level, but it, but it, re- it feels like a real team. And what you hear about the minor leagues, you know, the, the crappy buses, the, the, t- the bad stadiums, that, that kind of thing, that it really gets that, that essence down really well. And this is Kevin Cosner. This might be my favorite performance of his, um, you know, he's, he's smart. He's funny. He's, he's wise. I mean, he's just, he's just got it all. He's sarcastic. He's witty. Any, anything you want out of him, he just, he just dominates the screen and, and him and Tim Robbins and students surrounded together. They're obviously the, the main three characters with, you know, the supporting um, care actors thrown in for scenes here and there, but those three just, just dominate. They're all, they're all fantastic. And their kind of love triangle is like the driving force of the movie, but it's, it's just so, so funny. Um, Definite recommend. Like you said, you were thinking of watching it. Absolutely. I think you have to rent it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but it's, it's worth it for easily. 
the more you're saying it, I, I think I it's it's a movie that's on my list. Is, is it an older one? 1988. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, that sounds great. It's like you said, especially with the baseball team, and I know we all love sports, so that's uh, that's yeah, sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's for me. It's just one another one of those 80s movies that you know I know of, but just haven't seen it yet, and I, I should. I just I don't know when I always when I'm sitting on the couch, it's never the first thing that pops in my head, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I watched it for the first time like last opening day or around opening day. I was looking sure. for baseball movies that I hadn't seen before, but I've watched it a couple of times since then, and it 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 holds up each each and every time. One thing you have to get past is Tim Robbins. They didn't use a double for his pitching scenes, and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> like Kevin Kevin Cosner's got a pretty a pretty sweet swing actually, um, but Tim Robbins looks Tim like Rob- abs- not very believable. Cool. Not not at all. <laughs> But I guess, you know, sacrifice that, you know, it's not really about the baseball at the end of the day. So they kind of figure they can sacrifice that. Um, But one, it's one thing I always watch for in, in sports movies is, is how accurate, how, not how accurate it is necessarily, but how, how good do the athletes seem? And it's whatever that's definitely playing. not the first movie where you can tell like the oh, actor yeah, does not, not play that sport yeah. at all. Like yeah. in, in, um in major league, the, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the dude's name. Um, Wesley Snipes. They had to cut all of his like running scenes so much because he he he's basically so unathletic and just couldn't mm-hmm. do what they wanted him to do that it they had to I, I looked that up. Um, they also mentioned it on the the rewatchables episode, the the Ringer podcast of Major League. They they go into that into that a little bit more and just like who was good and who wasn't good. And there's some really good stories from the Major League set on on who actually could play ball and who just absolutely could not do anything right. It wasn't like the point of Wesley Snipes' character is that he was just super fast. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, yeah. But I do, like you said, Ambridge, I think that that's interesting to me that I like that, that it get like the background of, you know, who actually um, was believable, I guess you could say, versus not so much. Yeah. All right, Neil, Dirk and I are done. Finish off Drum your list. Your, your number one. Last one coming in. Number one for me is Hitch. So, so wait, that that stuff worked for you. It was adorable. <laughs> what did you do? Nothing. absolutely nothing and i know everyone everyone here has seen that already you got uh i said i mentioned how i saw wedding crashers you know countless and countless times like i think this one even tops it with how many times i've seen it it is almost at least to me like the ultimate movie that's in the background while you're doing something Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't have cable anymore but i feel like i did this was constantly on you know like the tbs or tnt usa one of those channels is just always on tv but I mean, to start off, you got Will Smith, who has been, you know, almost every movie ever made, <laughs> um, plays this, you know, guy with a kind of an unconventional career that most of us or most people have never heard of because it's not a real thing. But he kind of is like a, I guess, a dating coach where he helps guys who don't have the most confidence and, you know, for them to get their dream girl. Uh, the main guy he helps in the movie, Kevin James, who, you know, I've always been a fan of. I enjoyed watching King of Cranes growing up. Is one of those shows I, was, I watched with my mom a lot. Um, one, because, you know, it wasn't like those R-rated movies where it, it wasn't awkward watching with her too. <laughs> so it's something we could bond over. But no, I, I enjoy him in the, in this movie as well. 
but you know, he, he's just going out trying to find his dream girl. He's just this awkward dorky accountant who doesn't, you know, have much social skills. And uh, while Will is helping him, he kind of accidentally falls in love with his, I guess, dream girl and Eva Mendez. And they have some, you know, bumps in down the road, but both of them eventually both couples end up together. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Neil. It's, that's one of the movies that it's on TV and you're like, yeah, you know what, this is pretty good. I'm going to watch this or have it on in the background when you're doing something. I've, I've seen it, yeah, like you, a hundred, hundred times. It's it's great. Um, Will Smith, you know, he's always enjoyable on screen. And Eva Mendez, I mean, everybody in that. It's just a fun movie. It's a cl- very classic uh, rom-com. The one thing that always bugs me about Hitch is near the end, when who she was she is she with her brother it's like a when, brother or a friend or oh, something yeah, yeah yeah and it's so obvious how hitch is going to interpret that situation yeah true mm-hmm. and she just lets it play out and she gets like pissed at him when he thought that when that she is had, a good point when she had about you know 20 minutes to just correct him on it yeah i never thought about that uh, that, that part i like the movie like don't get me wrong but that that part has always bugged me Dude, I never thought about that. And now that kind of pisses me off. <laughs> because <laughs> like he wasn't like throwing himself in front of the car to get him to stop and yeah. all that nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he came, he came there to fight for her. And then she just opened the door with this, you know, good looking guy. What, what, is, of course he's going to think that. I think it's like, I think it's his, her sister's boyfriend. I believe it, it's, it's something, it's something yeah. completely innocent. Yeah. Her husband. Yeah. But it's something completely it's, innocent. Yeah. But yeah, and like Neil said, now that you said that, say that, she had ample amount of time to be like, oh, I see where this, like, where you're going with this, but that's not what's happening. Yeah, and she didn't. But yeah, that's that's another another really good one. I mean, that kind of is right in Will Smith's wheelhouse. That that kind of role. That's one I haven't I haven't seen in a while, but that's def- definitely a good one. Would been you know I haven't either since I don't have cable anymore. So maybe I gotta I gotta find it streaming somewhere <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, but like I said, it, it feels like a classic TBS movie. Just yeah. Saturday afternoon, looking yep. for something to throw on for an hour or so, and it's just it's going to be on. Yep, yep. All right. So before we run through, maybe a couple honorable mentions. We'll just recap the list here. Dirk had number five, Heartbreak Kid. Number four, Crazy Stupid Love. Number three, Adventureland. Number two, Ten Things I Hate About You. And number one, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I had number five, Some Kind of Wonderful, Then She's Out of My League, La La Land, Crazy Stupid Love, and number one of Bull Durham. Neil's number five, Always Be My Maybe, number four, La La Land, Wedding Crashers, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and his number one of Hitch. A lot of good movies in there, like we alluded to a couple times here. A lot more that we considered consider that had to get, get left off the list. Maybe we'll go through. Maybe maybe a couple, a couple each here that maybe just missed the cut. I'll I'll start here. One for me that was very close is Mamma Mia. Here we go again. I freaking love this movie. Not a big fan of the first one, but the sec the sequel. I I went into it just because I wanted to see it. Just I trying to see whatever I could that summer, and that was out, so I saw it, and I I fell in love with it. It's it's so much just it's just so much fun. I don't know. Have you, have you guys seen seen either of the Mamma Mia movies? I've seen neither. Nope. Yeah, I mean, neither. it's I'll see a musical based on based on Abba, who big fan of Abba as well. Don't know who's not, but you know, Lily James is 
one, maybe one of my favorite roles of, of recent years in, in, and here we go again. And then it's got obviously Amanda Seyfried, you know, coming back from the first one and the, the musical numbers are, are great. The songs are really good. And it's just a happy movie. Like you just feel good the entire time you're watching it. And if you don't like musicals, this isn't going to change your mind on them. But if you, if you do, or you, or there may be more hit or miss, like some don't like, don't like others. This would be one to, to give a try to. And then another one got to go with clueless. I mean, it's just, a, just a classic, yeah. you know, very, very quotable, a lot of iconic moments, you know, um, Alicia Silverstone, one of the most notable and just well-known just roles of maybe all time um, as, as Cher. Um, another Paul Rudd reference who, you know, is the, is the stepbrother slash boyfriend, which, or former stepbrother slash boyfriend, which <laughs> it's a little murky, but, you know, I guess it, it works. Um, but no, another just really good high school coming of age, coming of age movie there too. Um, I've got a, I've got a bunch more, but um, for sake of time, Dirk, what are a couple that just missed the cut for you? Yeah, I'm with you. I've, I was making the list and it's like, it's, it's never, <laughs> never ending. <laughs> um, just a couple of those that, that, you know, I think are good, like newer ones that maybe aren't even rom-coms, uh, Palm Springs, of course. And then I love you, man. I think that's a little more of a comedy though. But it's the got the same that, like feel though, even yeah, though, even though yeah. it's, it's two friends, the, the beats of the movie and the tone of it feel really similar right, to, right. to a, a yeah. rom-com. But the two that I, that were the closest to my five, one, it's a little bit of a different route of a rom-com, but I think it maybe still counts, uh, Moonrise Kingdom, the Wes Anderson film based in the sixties. It's just this little boy and his, um, uh, boy scouts or whatever it's called in the movie. And he falls in love with, you know, this girl and it has the classic Wes Anderson quirkiness to it. Um, Edward Norton is, is great. And I, I just, I love that movie, um, overall, but I didn't, I didn't think it was, um, it wasn't the, the route I wanted to go, I guess, with my, my rom-coms. But then the other one on the flip side is a, a very classic rom-com, um, definitely maybe with Ryan Reynolds. And I think that, I mean, the cast in general is, is great. Um, uh, Elizabeth Banks is in it and, and Isla Fisher and I'm blanking on the other, the third woman that that's just a, that one's a classic rom-com of, um, like you said, the tone, the beats, you know, exp- he's explaining to his daughter. Um, well, she's explaining to his daughter who her mom is, but he's doing it in, basically telling her the three people that he um, had fallen in love with in his life. And, you know, it's just, it's a heartwarming type story. Dad to his daughter explaining how he fell in love with his mom, her mom, I should say. Um, And it's just a, it's a a very classic rom-com and the person is Rachel Weiss. Yes, Yep. exactly. All right. Those are my, uh, my two that were on the fence there. Neil, what are a couple that didn't quite make the cut for you? I have two honorable mentions here. Uh, first one, I wanted to put in kind of a, you know, a, cl- a classic from the '90s. I got you got mail from uh, kind of mm-hmm. like Ryan Gosling and uh, Emma Stone. You got Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, which are who are kind of those that iconic duo of the '90s for uh, for rom coms. I mean, you also have Dave Chappelle, who kind of a lot of people kind of forget oh, he, was, forgot. he was in that movie I, as I well. He was in that, yeah. I think I don't know. If, I think he plays his friend or a coworker or something like that. But he, yep. I mean, he's nothing like his show in that movie at all. Uh, it's just these two, you know, meet in a chat room, which you know, because that was a big thing, you know, in the '90s. There, uh, they also end up meeting up in real life, become kind of become enemies, um, business wise enemies. 
uh, without even knowing it while they're on separately talking in their chat room until it comes full circle at the end, they, you know, end up falling in love. And it's just something you want, if you want to watch to kind of get some of that nostalgic feeling with seeing all the old internet and the old chat rooms, just see how things used to be in the nineties. You know, it's a, it's a good one to pop on. Rival physical bookstores too. At uh, Yes. And it was like, when it happened these days, <laughs> it was a uh, Fox books and hers was like the shop around the corner. I think yeah. it was called. Yep. And yeah, I mean, now they got bigger things to worry about just with like Amazon and all that <laughs> stuff. Kindles. Uh, second one is Bridesmaids. And, you know, I'll tell you why. And the main reason this one we even thought about making the list is that scene in the fitting room when they all get food poisoning. <laughs> that kills me every single time. I know exactly what's happening. I know who who it's happening to, but every time it just kills me. That scene it, it, that one, I feel like it either works or it doesn't for you because it's such like gross out humor. Oh, yeah. It's so over the top. If you don't like, find yeah. that stuff funny, you're not going to find that scene. But if you do, <laughs> that's going to be like the scene from the Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. And, and yeah. it got me. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> All right. So a lot of good movies there. Um, hopefully, you know, we obviously went over some pretty mainstream ones. And hopefully we hit a few that you maybe hadn't seen before. I know I've got a couple to add to my list that you can uh, get out there and, you know, watch something, watch something new, always fun. Then other than just rewatching the same things over and over. So that'll lead us to our favorite closing segment of Hey Hambage. What do you guys got for this this week? Well, in the theme of movies, what's your favorite genre? Heist. Nice. What's your favorite heist movie? uh, Well, Ocean's Eleven is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, I was about to say, we, we knew that one already. So, it, yeah, so that true. by default would be my favorite heist movie, but The Italian Job, another really good one. Yeah. Um, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, that's one with Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And there's um, Sexy Beast with Ben Ben Kingsley and The Sting, Best Picture winner. That one's really good. I mean, heist movies, they're, they're, just, they're just fun. Because you're usually rooting for, for sure. like the bad guys or the quote unquote bad guys, but when they're done well, like the heist scenes are always some of the most fun scenes of of the movie. There's going back to Randall Park. I want to say I heard that he and Daniel Day Kim are working on very early stages of a, of a new heist movie. Yeah. So I'm hmm. really pumped for that if nice. and whenever it comes out. Um, but yeah, heist heist movies can't go wrong. I'm with you. It's a good choice. Mm-hmm. All right, hey Hambage. Do you lie to your dentist when they ask you how much you floss? <laughs> Probably to a degree. Because <laughs> I, I, I honestly floss maybe a few times a week, like two to three. But I probably say I'm about at, you know, four or five, which which is so dumb when you think about it because they, they know. Yeah. Definitely. Honestly, like if you floss a couple times a week, you're flossing more than like a majority of the population like that people yeah. who there it's rarely that people floss once a week let alone multiple times a week yeah well because i i really didn't i would floss like the week before my dentist appointment thinking that would like fool him into thinking oh he flosses <laughs> all the time uh but then i didn't have braces until i was like 24 or something around, around there so i was obviously a little more responsible i was like oh well i might as well just take care of my teeth now so I st- and I and you get stuff stuck in there all the, all the time, yeah. obviously. So I was flossing yeah. more there, and then just kind of stuck with. Um, obviously, it's not doing it every night, but there's rare is a week where I don't floss at least once. It's just tough because especially at nighttime, it's like 
you're about to go to bed, you brush your teeth and it's like, uh, I don't know. I've already brushed them. Like I'll yeah. floss tomorrow or something. I'm kind of tired here. It's honestly the stupidest thing that people don't. Cause it's so easy. It really it, is. It takes you like 20 seconds to do it. Yeah. It's a shorter amount of time than actually like in the tooth toothpaste on the toothbrush, washing it off, putting it in your mouth. It's like just a piece of string up and down a few times and you're done. Yeah. Good for you, Ambone. I agree with Neil. I don't, I think you're way ahead of the, the curve. Well, I, I still have uh, permanent retainers in on, on parts of my upper and lower, not all the way around, but kind of the first few teeth. So that stuff, it's harder to, you know, it's more, more plaque and whatever will get stuck there. Sure. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll just floss those, those few teeth. Sure. But at that point, like you said, you know, what's the, why not just take the extra 10 seconds to do the rest of it? <laughs> true. True. All right. Hey, Ambage, what's your favorite dog breed? I mean, I'm partial to beagles just because that's what we oh. had the longest. We had, we had a case on initially for like two weeks. And then we had some mix that I don't even know what we had. And that was an awesome about two weeks. Then we got um, Zoe, our beagle, who we ended up having for like 14 years or so. Um, so from a sentiment, sentimental point, you know, beagles for sure. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with beagle good answer that's i feel like that but I, I guess it it now that you said or now that i'm thinking about um like you had it growing up so yeah that probably hits close to home oh yeah huge huge personal swing see the thing is though i don't know that i'd get a beagle if i got my own dog okay. like, or like i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily go into it thinking you know dead set on getting a beagle i, I like that you didn't pick a, like something that i think many people would pick like golden retriever for example something like that yeah, the, the golden retrievers are are awesome, and the, and the puppies are adorable. But from everything, everything I've heard, the puppies are a handful <laughs> to train. And yeah, and they get they get a little big for what I would probably want. But what but would yeah, you name your dog? I'd have to meet him first. <laughs> Absolutely, right. gotta see if, gotta see if the name. You gotta fits. meet him. You yeah. gotta meet him first. Even you don't know the personality yet. Just like exactly, not till you see him. All right, so here's my last one for the night. What is the strangest recurring dream that you have? Oh, everyone's got them. Even yeah, if you I, don't remember all of it. I haven't had a lot of dreams lately that I remember, um, but the one, the one that comes to mind, and I've got one that I want to tell. It's not a recurring dream, but it's maybe the most abs- one of the more absurd dreams I've had when I was really young. Um, but the recurring dream. I was some sort of like secret agent <laughs> and I was trying to escape from, you know, I'd infiltrated some sort of top secret facility or whatever. And I was trying to escape and I was like running down this like the staircase. And then I, I jumped over a railing to like go, de- you know, skip levels, kind of go around quicker, you know, but then I just kept like bouncing off the walls. So like hit a wall and then like, push myself off kind of like you're like floating somewhere kind of like in like in Willy Wonka when they're in that that floating room and they have to like oh, yeah, propel themselves okay. down it was kind of like that feeling or what I imagine that felt like and then I, when I would wake up and I'd be like real disoriented for like two seconds and then just go away and then that that happened for probably like three or four days in a row <laughs> see I don't think I've ever had them like back to back in days like i'll, I'll get them in spurts or, or not in spurts or like i'll have it and then you know a couple months later i'll have it again i only have had yeah. like the back to back in day ones for for yours is it the same thing exactly or is it like does this is the story if you will extend 
Uh, for the most part, it's the same thing. And like, it'll usually like cut off at some point. All right. Now, since I'm thinking of it, the, the one other dream that I was thinking of, it's not a recurring dream, a one-time thing. I was probably, I don't know, six or seven years old. And it started, I was being chased by Mike Tyson. And he, <laughs> he was in his, in full boxing gear, had the shorts, had the gloves on. And, and I, I eluded him for far longer than any seven-year-old would have. And he finally cut up to me and we were in front of a grocery store. And there was no, there were no doors on. It was, it was wide open, kind of like they had one of those one of those gates that like mall stores will use, just wide open. And it was slanted like down for some reason. And and he just palms me in his hand and just like <laughs> and just like bowls me down <laughs> down the ramp. And I crash into the this like the the line of carts. And the store owner just starts like shaking his fist and just yelling at him. And then I. And then that was the dream. It was just ridiculous. That's unbelievable. I like how you said you eluded him better than most seven-year-olds. Good. I mean, it felt like it lasted for a good dream-wise, you know, like 10 minutes or so, which 10 seconds maybe. That's awesome. All right. My last one. Hey, Ambone. If you could change your name to anything, what would you change it to? Neil. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. They're my parents under the bus like that. Hypothetically speaking, let's just say if they weren't listening, <laughs> I'll cop out and I'll say Simon because that's the that was the name I would have been if it wasn't Matthew. There you go. Not Neil. No. Mine was almost Gregory actually. Ended up just being my middle name. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Anything? Any last questions? Any last thoughts? Or is that gonna gonna do us for the week? think i am tapped out for the night all right yeah, i'm all we, good we haven't set a topic yet for next week but we'll figure something out and we'll be back as always every friday morning with the, the new episode uh, so be sure to subscribe on apple stitcher spotify wherever you listen we're there follow us on twitter and instagram at gnome boys pod and let us know what movies we missed you know obviously the list could have gone on forever we, this could have been a 12 hour podcast if we wanted it to be let us know which ones your favorites are, you know, which ones, you know, whose list you agree with most, who had some of the best choices. That'll do us for this week. For Dirk and Neil, this is Matt Hambage, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>